0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes.
0: What's going on, everybody? It's Monday, November 21st, and this is the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Nick Costco, and we have to talk about the USC Trojans, who got a huge win Saturday night over rival UCLA 48-45 in a shootout, crazy type of game. And now USC will be going to the Pac-12 championship game. And they kept their college football playoff hopes alive. And to help me break it all down is USCFootball.com's Ryan Abraham. Ryan, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it as always. Glad to have you back on the pod as well. But before we even dive into what this means for USC, we have to talk about, I mean, that, that had to be one of the craziest games you've seen in recent memory for USC, right? For sure, Nick. I mean, I've been to a bunch of great ones uh, at the Rose Bowl, especially. I mean,
2: the the Texas game in 2006, that Rose Bowl with Vince Young and Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush. I mean, that was insane. But when I was back, back a long time ago, I'm going to date myself, 1990, when I was a sophomore at USC, just going as a student. Um, Todd Moretovich, Johnny Morton, it was a 45-42 game in the corner, you know, last second touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone for the for USC to to beat UCLA. This was up there, might have been better than both of them as far as games go. I mean, just absolutely back and forth for USC to come in and have a 14-point deficit early on, and without Travis Dye, your emotional leader, you know, the running back spot, and just really fight back. And a guy like Corey Foreman, who makes the game-sealing interception at the end, I mean, everyone was talking about him being a bust after being, you know, ranked the number one player as a prospect last year and didn't really do that much. So there was just a whole lot of elements in this one, Nick, to, to make it as exciting as it was and have it be Lake and Riley's first year and potential a trip to New York for Caleb Williams going for the Heisman ceremony and maybe USC making their first college football playoff ever and trying to win a packed. Championship first year, so much was on on you know at stake, and uh, DTR talking a lot of mess about wanting to put up sixty on USC. So it was a lot in this
0: one. So sorry for the ramble, but man, it was a crazy one. <laughs> I mean, DTR and the UCLA offense almost did put up sixty, but USC yeah. did get the win. So a little bit more about the game on Saturday, of course. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's been a magnificent quarterback for UCLA, particularly under Chip Kelly, and he was great again on Saturday. But three interceptions, despite the fact that he scored five total touchdowns. I mean, was that surprising to you that USC? defense. Again, they gave up 45 points to the Bruins offense, but they were able to turn them over that many times. And were you surprised about that? Or was it it the game plan? What did you see? against uh, UCLA's offense
2: yeah I think that was the game plan coming in they dropped some guys in the coverage which I think really gave him some issues with his reads you know he throws three picks also got sacked fumble that set up USC uh you know in the red zone and you know I think he had six total touchdowns but he was a warrior out there you could tell he was his thumb was hurt he was lead blocking for Zach Charbonnet and, and trying to do whatever he could so yeah he talked some trash turned the ball over a bunch and I think USC confused him with some of those coverages but he also was just battling out there. You know, it was a senior night event at the Rose Bowl. They were honoring him. You know, he'd been around that program for a long time. Lincoln Riley coached against him when he was had Kyler Murray as his quarterback when he was at Oklahoma. That's how long DTR has been around the UCLA program. So I know he turned the ball over a little bit, but he was an absolute warrior out there doing whatever he could to try to get his team a win. But at the end, you know, Caleb Williams was able to bat a little bit better. I mean, he's just, he might be the most dynamic quarterback we've seen ever at USC as far as talent goes. And just, was, you know, he was a warrior out there too, but two really great quarterbacks going at it, which made it, you know, part of that classic game.
0: Now, Caleb Williams, well over 400 yards through the air. And I wanted to ask you about the dynamic between him and Lincoln Riley. Of course, you know, the offense for USC has been their bread and butter all season long. We know what Lincoln Riley brought over from Oklahoma, obviously bringing Williams with him from last season into this year. But everyone was talking about the running game. No, Travis died. They're saying, well, there goes the run game. But they obviously had other guys step up. Caleb Williams, again, was fantastic through the air. Jordan Addison had a great game as well. Who do you think was more valuable in that game on Saturday? Was it Caleb Williams having one of the better games of his career that probably maybe clinched a spot in New York or at least gave him a better chance at a spot in New York for the Heisman Trophy? Or was it Lincoln Riley saying, you know what, this is how we're going to finagle the game plan against the high-scoring UCLA attack?
2: Yeah, I think it's had a combination of almost everything. Like Caleb Williams, 470 yards, and you know that was his career high. I think at 411 was his career high before. So absolutely blows through that. I didn't think you know getting a guy like Jordan Addison back would have that much of an impact, but 11 catches, 13 targets, I believe 178 yards and a touchdown. I talked to him in practice the week before, and he was like, you know, he came back for the previous game, but just really didn't do, do that much. He was full bore in this one, and I don't think you know they convert as many third downs, they score as many points without Jordan Addison, but. I I would give, you know, you got to give a game ball to Austin Jones, who was actually the player of the week, the game last week, uh, you know, playing in the Colorado, playing against Colorado. But 120 yards, 21 carries, catching the ball out of the backfield. Travis Dye's number 26 on his wrist as an inspiration. And it was really a next man up. We saw him early on in the season and then sort of went away when Travis Dye became the number one back. And they needed him. I mean, he had a couple touchdowns where he just kind of prancing into the end zone untouched and just hit the holes really hard. And I think he was a, a integral part of this win. But, you know, they need all of that stuff. But without Travis Dye, I think they needed guys like that to step up. So Caleb Williams has his best game. Jordan Addison, his best game. And then Austin Jones, certainly his best game. They needed all of it, all those points, because I would say UCLA was hard to stop too.
0: How do you come off an emotional high from this game, considering this is your rival? And usually rivalry weekend is over Thanksgiving weekend. But obviously USC is going to be playing Notre Dame coming up this weekend. So how does this change now, knowing that they are 10-1 USC, but Notre Dame is all of a sudden hot again after the 0-2 start to this 2022 game campaign and with i mean again the usc's already clinched their spot in the pac-12 title game so they're not necessarily worried about that but now there's more college football playoff uh, implications here and with notre dame rising a win over the fighting irish to me gives usc a clear-cut path to the playoff at this point hey win the pac-12 you might have a good shot to get in because, you're, because again ohio State or michigan they're, they're going to knock each other out it seems like at this point is it all about the college football playoff now with notre dame on, on deck yeah, it's a great point. I mean, the emotions Saturday night,
2: uh, I was there, like, when all the players came over to the band, where the band was and the fans, and they they have a victory bell that goes back and forth between USC and UCLA. UCLA had it last year. It was painted blue. It's going to get painted cardinal now, but they brought it over. All the players were ringing it. Caleb Williams was ringing it, going crazy. You know, they were leading the band. There was a lot of emotion, but you're right. There's a huge game coming up against Notre Dame. You know, arguably a bigger rivalry. USC fans will say, there's nothing better than beating Notre Dame, nothing worse than losing to UCLA. Well, they didn't lose to UCLA. Now they have a chance to do something great and beat notre dame and obviously like you mentioned you know going to the college football playoff usc's never done that before so there's still a lot at stake but i think there's a you know there's a risk of you put so much into this ucla game and it was such an emotional win do you have a letdown against the irish because you're still going to the pac-12 championship game either way but i think with those cfp implications i think that's going to be enough to get everyone's attention you know and riley talked about in the offseason they want to win a championship and i don't know if anyone really believed them now they're the only team in the Pac-12 that's going to uh, Las Vegas for the championship for sure. And they're the only team in the Pac-12 that has actually, you know, a chance of making to the college football playoffs. So I think they'll be focused, but there's certainly a you know, potential for a letdown after that emotional win Saturday.
0: We'll talk more about those implications in a second. We're step aside and take a quick break. Keep it locked here. It's the College Football Daily right here on 24-7 Sports.
3: Selling a little or a lot? shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
0: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Ryan, speaking of those implications for USC moving up, we just talked about Notre Dame. And I remember when we had you on earlier this season, we were saying, you know what, USC, are they a bona fide playoff contender? And we said, yeah, it kind of looks like it, but lot of football left to be l- l- left to be played now with just one regular season game left plus the Pac-12 championship game they're right now two wins away from being in the final four with the way it goes and as we mentioned before beating Notre Dame gives them another signature win after beating their rival UCLA this, just this past weekend and if one of Michigan or Ohio State gets bounced out which it seems like and plus with the Tennessee upset we saw there might be still some debate depending upon what happens in the SEC, but it looks like two more wins for USC, that should get them in the Final Four, no?
2: It seems like it, you know? And I think even when we talk then, like people will say, oh, are they really a playoff caliber team? I don't think, you know, they're not going to compete, in my opinion, with a team like Georgia or Ohio State, but the way the path was setting up, if they could take care of business, they certainly could make the college football playoff, you know, and I don't know, they, they could have some kind of puncher's chance because they can score a bunch of points, but that's the, the reality. I think to be a real national champion, contending team, you're probably going to need another year or two of Lincoln-Riley, you know, recruiting at a very high level. And I, I think they can get there, but certainly a promising start to Lincoln-Riley era where you just take care of what you need to take care of. That one loss, you know, they never were trailing in that game against Utah and then, you know, two-point conversion at the end. Otherwise, this team's undefeated. But I, I feel like with the brand recognition, the, the having a guy like Caleb Williams, you know, being up for the Heisman, you know, getting a chance to beat three ranked teams in a row to end the season, if they are able to take care of business, well, it's not going to be easy the last two weeks, I, I I can't it would be hard for me to imagine them not being in the college football playoff and you know some usc fans would lot rather maybe go to the rose bowl and play a, a big 10 team that you could win as opposed to like being the number four seed and getting spo- you know smoked <laughs> by georgia but i feel like it's really important to you know the fact that usc this national brand has never made the college football playoff before i think that's something you need to rectify and then that's a great progress in year one if you can make the playoff from four and eight to the playoff i don't know something like that i don't think has been done and then build on that and try to make a run in the playoff going forward but yeah Yeah, it's it's big. For them, if they win the next two, Nick, I just don't see how they wouldn't get in.
0: Yeah, that's the way I see it at this point as well, because you're going to get probably one of Michigan or Ohio State in. I I would say Georgia wins, and that knocks out LSU as well. And then you have to see what happens with TCU. So it looks like there will be a spot for USC as you get in there. But obviously, if LSU beats Georgia, then we're going to have to have a big time debate. (laughs) Now, let me ask you real quick on that. If LSU does beat Georgia, it looks like they're both going to get in. You get one Big Ten team in there. Then you have one spot for maybe an undefeated TCU or a one loss USC. So, in that, let's just look at that scenario real quick. Undefeated TCU, 12 and 1 USC. Who gets that final spot?
2: I would think it's the undefeated TCU. You know, we haven't seen a one-loss, one-loss conference champion not make it into the playoff. And, you know, TCU still has a rough road. But I like the way that the Big 12 has been playing. It's tough each and every week uh, going through that conference and trying to win. The good thing about the Pac-12 is that you kind of had, instead of parity, where everyone was sort of beating each other, now there's like a top half and a bottom half. And all those teams in the top half pretty much only lose to teams in the top half. So that's been a, a nice b- benefit for the Pac-12 because then you get six teams ranked in the College football playoff rankings, but that one loss, I think if it's a undefeated TCU, I mean, there's a chance that USC would jump on. That would be really be the committee saying we want this brand over, you know, one brand over another. But <laughs> or I think TCU. TCU, yeah, I know. I would, but I think my
0: guess is TCU would get in in that scenario. Now, this is an interesting question. I'll leave you here with this one because we're talking about the future, and you mentioned how you can build off Lincoln Riley's first year making the playoff, and all of a sudden, oh, you know, you, you're you're probably talking about maybe another run of dominance for USC, particularly when they go to the Big Ten, where now you're in basically a super conference along with the SEC once they add Texas and Oklahoma as well. But it's an interesting question an interesting thought for me because when they joined the Big Ten, now you have the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, if they bounce back, some other schools, maybe Michigan State bounces back as well. But at least, you know, the, the, the first three I mentioned, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, when you have teams like that within your own conference, now you're fighting for positioning with those teams. Would you say if USC is going to win a national title and maybe even make the playoff, this is their best shot compared to maybe two years down the line when they have to play, now and probably in a more loaded conference.
2: Yeah, for sure, I think, you know, no one expected year one to be that way, but we thought maybe in year two, the last year in the Pac-12, there'd be a good chance to make the college football playoff, winning the Pac-12 before things get a lot crazier in the Big Ten. Now, Big Ten's going to get rid of divisions. It's not going to be good for, like, the Minnesotas and the Purdue's of the world or New- Northwestern where you're trying to, like, win for the chance to play a Michigan or Ohio State in the title yeah. game. Like, that's going to go away. Like, those teams aren't going to be making the, the Big Ten championship game anymore. It's going to be Michigan, Ohio State, USC, probably. You know, those teams like that. But they'll also have an expanded college football playoff, too. So, depending on how that all unfolds, you could be the third team in the Big Ten and still make the college football playoff. So, I I think you're right, though. Like, 2023, you know, 2023 Three, we thought would be you know USC's last year in the Pac-12 would be the best shot. You know, you have a, a full recruiting class and all that, but I don't know, man. This is you know, winning two games not going to be easy. You know, you know, beating Notre Dame and then and beating like an Oregon or Washington or Utah, whoever makes it to the title game, that's not going to be really easy to do. But it's in front of them. You have your controlling your own destiny is something that is not easy to do this late in the college football season. So I think it'll be different challenges when they go to the big the Big Ten. But man, the, the opportunity
0: this year and then you know potentially next year with Caleb Williams coming back would be really huge. Lincoln Riley with a full head of steam with USC in year one, year two, and then, of course, when they go to the Big Ten. Ryan Abraham with me on the College Football Daily. I appreciate the time. As always, my man, where can everybody find you and your work online and on social media?
2: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy as long as that's around. And then, of course, uscfootball.com. We've been doing it, Nick, since like 1996. Uh, again, dating <laughs> myself, but doing it a long time. Tons of content going up uh, about this team. And there's a lot of excitement in the USC fan base, obviously, from the hiring of Lincoln Riley almost a year ago to now being 10-1 and one after going 4-8 and eight <laughs> last
0: year. It's been a crazy ride uh, these last uh, 12 months or so. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been one of the craziest calendar years in <laughs> USC football history, or at least in recent history. So, Ryan Abraham with me once again on the College Football Daily. I am Nick Costco saying so long. Be sure to follow me on Twitter as well at Nick Costco59. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts for the College Football Daily. We'll see you next time. This is the College Football Daily on 24-7 Sports.